The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit WINNBet.com and start winning today. Ross, we're brought to you by Sleeper. You already played fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold hard cash with their new over-under game. Just head to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone to join the SGPN group and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com slash SGP. And make sure to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Monday, May 30th. On this Memorial Day, we are now down to two teams and ready or getting ready for the NBA Finals, which will tip off on Thursday. We're going to have some type of content for you going throughout this week leading up to game one. But here, to help me out to break down game seven between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. And we'll discuss the uh, season and the postseason for the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. First is my main man on the East Coast, Terrell Berman Jr. Terrell, how you feeling, my man? I'm feeling good, feeling good. Miami plus one and a half finally hit my account yesterday. So it feel, I feel like a winner in my book, but shout out to the Boston Celtics for making it this far to the NBA Finals. And, you know, it was almost catastrophic. I would have had the ammo that I would have had for another 365, but you know what? They went out there and did it, and they finally got over the hump. Yep, they, they got it done last night. And also joining us to break down Game 7, and we'll talk about, like I said, the Warriors and the Celtics a little more in depth. The man that does it both on and off the court for SGPN, Scott Rational, or sorry, Scott Studio, right, Shell? Scott, how you feeling, my man? Yeah, doing pretty well. Unfortunately, the picks did not exactly work out for Game 7, yeah. but it is what it is. Uh, I thought that Miami would do enough to hang around and potentially win the game. And they did at the end. The issue was they kind of got off to a bit of a, well, slow start, and they were unable to fully dig themselves out of the hole. Yeah. Uh, and they had three points taken off the board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we're going to get back to that. But it seemed yeah. like the main issue, and really a story for the entire series, was just teams getting off to brutal starts in the first quarter. Yeah. Um, before we get into the games, I do want to take a quick second here, guys. I know it is Memorial Day. Uh, and I'd be remiss not to um, mention, I guess, for lack of a better word, those um, past and present that gave their lives for this country, for the freedom that we're able to have in this country. Um, so I wanted to quick take a quick second here and remember those that gave their lives for this country of the United States of America and also um, those who are still serving and have served in some type of capacity for our freedom here. So Terrell, shout out to you, my man. I know uh, you were overseas this past week or sorry, this uh, season um, and we're still able to grind it out. So appreciate you for everything that you have done for this country. And, you know, if our listeners that have, you know, family members that gave their lives for this country, uh, we wanted to thank you. And we do, remember you for the ultimate sacrifice that you have given to this country on this Memorial day weekend. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and we don't take that for granted for sure in this country. Uh, Terrell, you have anything you want to mention there, my man? No, no. Appreciate all the words. It's, um, some nice sentiments. Um, yeah. So game seven last night, guys, let's dive into it here. Um, obviously Boston gets the victory. One hundred ninety six. In Miami, they cover the uh, spread, depending on where you got it, minus two and a half, minus three. I think I believe this closed at minus three and a half as well. Total um, depends on where you got it as well, right? I think the opening number was around 199 and a half, trickled all the way down to 195 and a half, and I think came back up during the day. Um, so depending on where you landed there, the game ended up at 196 points. But um, Scott, let me start with you here, man. Uh, first quarter, like you mentioned it, Miami gets off to a slow start. The Boston Celtics jumped out to about, I think, a 12-3 to lead 
in that first quarter. And then Miami was pretty much playing from behind for the rest of the game and just weren't able to get over the hump here. Boston did their best to almost give it away. Um, they only scored two points in the final three minutes, but uh, just kind of give your thoughts on the game here and how, how you think everything played out. Overall, even though Miami lost, I feel like the formula was there for Miami to win. And if you want to talk about the actual way that the game unfolded, it's a lot of what we said was going to happen. We thought that Robert Williams would either not play or be basically a shell of himself. He yeah. played 15 minutes, scored two points, and Ben Adebayo had had a 25 and 11 mm-hmm. because of the fact that Williams wasn't on the court enough to actually keep him in check. So Adebayo played well. Butler did Butler things, which we expected. And besides that, Boston really got a solid amount of contributions from, of course, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. The real X factor for them was Grant Williams, who went from being a complete just non-factor for pretty much the entire series to putting up 11 points, which they needed in 30 minutes. Now, to go through the rest of Miami's performances, Hero technically played I figured he would be a decoy, and he wasn't even a decoy. He played seven minutes. He couldn't move, but yeah. at least he tried to play. I'm not going to roast him for it. It's game seven. He shouldn't have been playing. I don't know if he needs surgery on the groin, but we'll see what happens there. I think the one surprise for me for Miami was just how awful P.J. Tucker was, and yeah, that's really it. The rest of the game, I figured Butler would have to go nuts. Adebayo would play well. They did. Even Lowry, I know he went four for 12, but he still had 15 points. Did anything else really surprise you from the box score? Because I feel like Tucker only playing 17 minutes and being a negative 16 was a bit of a shock for me. Mm -hmm. But besides that, I feel like everything else was kind of how I thought it was going to be. Yeah, everything else, um, as far as the box score, if you kind of look at it, everything looked kind of even to me here, right? I mean, you talk about the big three. For Boston, they combined to score, what, 74 points, and then the three guys for the Miami Heat scored 75 points. And, you know, the Stars pretty much shined in this game here as well. I think the difference was, like you mentioned, Grant Williams, who did contribute double figures off the bench in 30 minutes for the Boston Celtics. He finished up with 11 points. Um, I thought Victor Oladipo could have had a better game. Um, He did play 33 minutes last night. On offensive end. Yeah, on offensive end for sure. Um, feels four of 12 from the field, but only one of seven from three point land. But I mean, if you kind of even look at the team stats, it was really uh, pretty much even again, Miami did struggle from the three point line. They only went six of 30 uh, from there while Boston went 11 of 32 and shot close to 35%. But Terrell, let me get to you, you here, my man, uh, any takeaways for or your takeaways from the game last night as Boston does get over the quote unquote hump of getting at least to the NBA final since the 2010 season. Yeah, no, it's just the supporting cast for the Miami uh, Miami Heat were an absolute no-show on the offensive side of the ball. As I went and said, Victor Oladipo, he was great. He was fantastic on defensive side yeah. of the ball. His defense and how far his defense has come was showed throughout the course of this game on uh, Jason Tatum, but more importantly, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown couldn't dribble the ball around him. It's, mm-hmm. It felt like every time that he jumped the ball towards Victor Oladipo, Victor Oladipo was getting a hand out there and knocking the ball loose. So, uh on the defensive end, Oladipo had probably one of his best games of the series, to be honest. But when you look at the offensive end, you can't go four for 12 in an elimination game, one for seven from three. You look at Kyle Lowry, this is supposed to be uh, your championship experience on this team. He goes four for 12, one for six from three. Max Strews, three for 10, two for seven from three. And it's everybody. I mean, everybody didn't shoot the ball well. The only people that had a good game was Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. And ultimately, that's why when they went on these defensive runs, because I'm not even going to say runs, they went on defensive runs against the Boston Celtics. They couldn't capitalize because they couldn't put the ball in the basket, except when it was for Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And that's why when you look at the runs that they went on, especially the one in the second half, it was because Jimmy Butler scored like the last nine to 11 points, something like that. So ultimately, everybody else for Miami Heat didn't show up and the Boston Celtics had enough to be able to hold on to that strong lead that they ran out the door with. Marcus Smart had a great game. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both had good games. Jalen Brown's what consistency made me even question, was he going to get the Larry, uh, Larry Bird trophy at the end? Yeah. I, I was I was sitting there. I was like, wow, if he says Jalen Brown, I'm not going to be surprised. But mm-hmm. 
you know, it was it was obviously both of them. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they said it, there was co-MVPs. I think it probably should have been co-MVPs. Jalen Brown did just as much as Jason Tatum in that series. Yeah. And so, you know, it. it I thought it was a great game. I thought mm-hmm. that, that taking that three off the board three and a half minutes down the line, and I don't know, I don't remember a time that – anybody went back to check if somebody stepped out of bounds and then reviewed it and took it back. I've seen shot clock stuff. You see, yeah, maybe shot clock stuff. Definitely. If a foot is on the line, never have I seen it for somebody that stepped out of bounds. I think it's, it's just been, Hey, you know, missed it or anything and kept and play on. And that three ended up being the difference between a cover and possibly how the game turned out. Because if you only need, one or two points said three points. Jimmy Butler doesn't Neither, pull yeah. up from three at that at that line. He goes and he drives to the basket. He either gets to the line from Al Horford, who they would have been winning position. Yeah, like yeah. It, it's a lot. It's a lot different. It's a lot different of what would have happened in those situations. But you know, uh, shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Can't really talk about that. Jimmy Butler. I li- I live with that shot. I'm fine with that three point shot. He's made that exact same shot multiple times in his series. And that's a shot that he can make. I know he's not a great three-point shooter, but that's a shot he can make. So you got to live or die with your best player. And I was fine with Jimmy taking that shot because if he made that shot, then that made it a completely different game. It turned everything around, probably burned a timeout from the Boston Celtics. So um, it is what it is. I don't think – I think that this was a great series. I mean, yeah. it didn't go exactly how I predicted, but it went to seven and it went to one and a half. That was an insane line by – I still think the Miami Heat probably should have been favored. And, you know, you would have got good value on Boston. But congrats if you got minus 200 on Boston, for sure. Yeah, I think we said that this series was going to go seven games because, um, again, we knew this series was going to be hard-nosed, tough defense at – Points were going to be at a premium. You know, both teams play excellent defense, like I mentioned. Um, it, you, yeah, the three-pointer is like, if you have any doubt, like, wouldn't you just like to stop the game at that moment and just check? Because if you're checking for something like that three and a half minutes down the line in a game seven in the fourth quarter, why wouldn't you immediately? I mean, more or less. Uh-huh. More or less, you you do it at this when the next time the stop the sure yeah. yeah yeah normally you do it when next time the game stops but that's just not something I've seen people check I don't I just can't remember I can't think right. and it's a lot of basketball it might have happened during the season in the game I missed but I just can't think of a time where especially in the playoffs where I saw somebody go check and see and somebody was out of bounds three minutes down the line. And it didn't even look like he was out of bounds. It was yeah. like, oh, well, it's hovering, but I don't see clear cut that his foot is stepped out of bounds. It's just more of an inference of, hey, his foot hovering. Maybe he's touching back there, but you can, to me, I couldn't see it. I was just, I don't know. It was interesting to me. I wasn't really mad or pissed about it. I was kind of, you know, still focused on what the Heat were doing, but uh, it turned out to be really big, especially the people yeah. that had, Heat plus three. Well, you're mentioning that you don't think you've seen it before. I'll just say straight up, I've never seen this before. This is something that I feel like is relatively new. And I understand if you want to go back and try to create the most accurate score possible because you think that he was out of bounds. First of all, it was inconclusive. As far as I'm concerned, there's not enough evidence to overturn that. Second of all, I really hate that for three and a half minutes, both teams thought that a score was X and it turned out to be Y because that impacts several possessions that you're not yeah. going to be able to get back. Mm-hmm. And you can make an argument that the mindset of these teams would have been different during that stretch. I'm not going to say it's going to change the entire game, mm-hmm. but the idea that you're going to, they were under have, 10. I was going to say, yeah, it took them from under 10 to being, Hey, we're under 10. We're, we're in this to being over to, I think it was 11. It put them back up at 11. The, the way that I see it is that you really just can't do this because you create kind of a false reality on the scoreboard of what you think your team needs to do to come back to what your team actually needs to do to come back. And I feel like that's an extremely slippery slope. So for me, I wouldn't have changed anything. I think if you had indisputable evidence that Struess's foot was clearly on the floor and hit the line, 
then maybe you could have a discussion. But the fact that we're still having a little bit of an argument on whether his foot was out of bounds or not is a perfect example of why you should not overturn this call, especially for the amount of time it took to overturn it in the first place. If you're going to overturn it, you should do it immediately. The fact that you had to wait three and a half minutes is ridiculous one way or another. Yeah, and I think, yeah, again, like I said, if you had any doubt in your mind, that's something that you should have, you know, stopped the game right there and reviewed it because like you got both of you guys said that it changes the complexion of the game and what the mentality is of for the Miami heat that, Hey, we're, we were had this under 10, but now we're back. Like Terrell saying, you're back at an 11 point lead for the Boston Celtics. And you're going to play your positions differently as you kind of, you know, wind down the game there. So a uh, little bit of controversy there from game seven, but much expected when you have Scott Foster officiating the game, but um, do you guys, I do, have- I do it. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, sorry, Terrell mentioned it, but I do want to touch upon it. I think we need a brief discussion on that final Butler shot okay. because that's kind of the main point that people are talking about. And I don't mean the NBA Twitter people talking about how Butler sold the series. Those people are just stupid. But I, in general, we got to have a conversation about it because I feel like you can make an argument for either side if it was a good shot or a bad shot. On one hand, Butler's not a great three-point shooter. You have Horford, who's backpedaling. He can go to the rim, get a better look, potentially tie the game. Boston will hold for one, so you still might lose the game anyway. On the other hand, you take Butler's shooting out of the equation. The Heat shot 35% from the floor. Mm -hmm. So do you think that Miami would have been better off trying to get a lead for one possession and, you know, putting all their chips in or potentially going to overtime with basically two players who are worth a damn offensively the entire game. No, that's, I, that's no. really the discussion you have. I'm fine with Butler shooting it. Yeah, is that, perfectly, that, that's, that was the that especially as as the star of the team is different as the star of the team is different because what happened? First of all, you know, if you can go to an overtime or not. You know in your heart and soul, like, hey, if this goes into overtime, I don't know how much I'm left. I don't know how much I'm gassed. And if I don't have anything at all, we're screwed anyway. So that's a that's one mindset that don't know if Jim Butler had. Plus, it's not – I don't care about percentages with that shot because that style of shot, that walking the ball up, popping up, hitting a three, he's, hit, he's probably way better than 50% of that shot because he's been killing it with that shot this entire series. When he's got an opportunity, he hit one earlier in the game. When he's got an opportunity and he's pulled that shot, he's made it. And so in a shot that he's comfortable with, and that's the star player of the team, you live or you die with that. And you sit there like, all right, like, you know, we're good. Whatever happens, it happens. Yeah. And yeah, Horford's backpedaling, but Horford has also still got defensive player of the year votes and, you know, been efficient behind the rim. And so you just don't. It's just a whole bunch. I feel like it's a whole bunch of shit because it was everybody's, you know, two sides of the spectrum. Some people are going to be cool with it. Some people are going to be mad with it. But it ultimately, I think that was a good basketball play. He knew that that was, that was his shot. That was a shot he could make, and it just didn't go that way for him. I'm never going to give a star player a really hard time for getting a relatively clean look on your final offensive possession. Yeah. Because we're talking about how Bower could have went down, you know, downhill, could have gotten to the rim. Yeah, Horford knew that too. That's why he was so open when he pulled up for three. So if it was a really contested three-pointer, I would have had a hard time with it. But it was clean, and Butler is clearly the best player. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to put the ball in your best player's hands, I know Terrell and I had a conversation about this when we talked about the Celtics a couple of weeks ago. And I mentioned the Kobe school versus the LeBron school when it comes to letting your best player take the biggest shot in games, despite how, I'd say, difficult that shot is, compared to making the right basketball play, in which I prefer. I'm a Kobe school guy. I want my best player taking the, taking the shot at the end of the game. And Butler got a relatively clean look, and he's clearly the best player on the team. So did I have an issue with it? No. Boston, even though they were in the middle of choking, I still think they would have won in overtime because Miami really had no offense besides two guys. And even Bam offensively was inconsistent in this game. So I was fine with it. Butler got them to this point. They were hoping you would take him a little bit further, and he missed. It happens. Yeah, and I, I agree with everything you guys were saying, that 
Horford yet yeah, knew that he gave him that space that he took the chance of, hey, maybe he he misses this shot. But we also got to take in mind that there's probably help that would have came from the other side as well to kind of contest if Butler would have got to the basket. And who knows, maybe I turned it over at that point. So he had the chance of, you know, giving this team the lead with about what it was about 11, 12 seconds left. Uh, if what I hit that shot, but again, and you're give, also giving Boston the final possession. There's no exactly. guarantee you even hold on to win the game anyway. Sure. Yeah. And at that point, if you had made it, you're just saying, Hey, we're going to trust our defense. What's gotten us here to game seven of the Eastern conference finals to maybe seal the victory. If you would have made the shot, but like you said, Scott should have, could have, would have, um, but you know, Boston give them credit for not choking it away. They're onto the NBA finals. Uh, to take on the Golden State Warriors. Uh, do you guys have anything else uh, you want to touch on from this game seven? Uh, I think my main other takeaway based on what Miami needs to do moving forward. Yeah. They need another star. Sure. Yeah. 100%. That, that's a given. You yeah. know, we've heard Mitchell rumors there for a while. I'm really not sure if Mitchell even really fits the culture of that team because Mitchell doesn't care about defense. Mm-hmm. Maybe he will buy in more once he's actually surrounded by. I'd say more talent because sure. Utah has been a little bit, I'd just say underwhelming in that department for a couple of years. I think the other main move has got to be the obvious one shipping off Duncan Robinson. If yeah. you can, I, I mean, okay. I'm trying to think of what other moves Miami can make. The supporting cast itself is okay. If you're expecting Ola Depot to be healthy for a year, he's fine. Struce is fine. You got some guys and yeah. we know hero was injured. He'll be back too. But I think the main moves they need to do, they need to get another star, whatever that involves with trading. And I do think they need to get rid of Duncan Robinson. I think those are the main two moves. Terrell, you were saying something? No, I just, I don't think they need another star. I think they're fine. I don't think. You think offensively uh, they're good enough to get by? I, Tyler Hero didn't play in those last couple of games. They need, all, if, if the most they need is another shot creator. That's it. I think that they're I think they're perfectly fine. Even if they get a shot creator that isn't known for playing defense, how Eric Spoelstra and the culture of that team is, as long as that person has the right mindset, they'll turn that person into better of a defensive asset. I, I don't think they need another star. I think another star is actually what they don't need because that's going to – too many stars is too many cooks in the um, kitchen. I, yeah. I just don't think they need another star. I think if they had another shot creator that would have really, really helped them – outside of a Tyler Hero in that situation. In, the, in this situation, we're talking about the Miami Heat. Especially if Tyler Hero is healthy in plays. Tyler Hero is healthy in plays. I think we're talking about the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. So I think they just need to let a shot creator just help balance some of that offense. But ultimately, this team comes back healthy. I think they're perfectly fine. So when you say shot creator, just so I understand how good of a player you're talking about, you mean like an – I was going to say, you Terrence mean like a Terrence Ross, Ross, Eric Gordon? They can get a Terrence Ross, Eric Gordon, and be fine. Okay. I, I kept on watching this series. What do you think? I, 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 thought, I thought they need another guy. I do. I think they do need another star. And I think that Miami's in a, a, a destination where players would want to go play alongside Jimmy Butler. Um, I agree about the Duncan Robinson point. But as, as I was watching the series, I was thinking that if they had it, it's a max player, but a guy like Bradley Beal that just provides like offense for you where he can knock down that three-point shot, where he can knock down those mid-range jump shots and even get to the free throw line and finish around the basket. I know he's going to be a max player and get that max money, but I, I, I think that they need someone better than the Terrence Ross, Eric Gordon type on this team. Um, Duncan Robinson, again, they, they pay the guy the money. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a team out there that will go out and, and pay for or trade or, or try to go out and get a player like Duncan Robinson if that offers on the table. But I think Miami um, has to package a pick. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but again, yeah, like I said, Victor Oladipo, he's going to have another offseason to just get that knee even stronger. I think he's going to be a great asset for this team. Not sure if he's going to be a starter next year for this team or not, but I, I do agree that they do. I, I feel like they need another star on this team. Um, to kind of put them over the top because again, next season we'll talk about it in the off season, but again, you know, you know, Milwaukee is going to be back. We don't know what's going to happen with the Sixers. Um, you know, as a Nets s- fan, I'll tell you, I think Brooklyn's a lost cause, but technically they're still in the running technically. Yeah. Not really, but whatever. Yeah. We've heard rumors or, or seen things on Twitter that Kevin Durant and the front office haven't communicated and they're unwilling to give Kyrie an oh extension. And stuff. I don't, like I don't buy into any of that, but the point is yeah. there's a lot of talent in the East. 
that is potentially untapped when it comes to chemistry and things that could change. So we'll see what happens moving forward with Miami. But as I was watching that series, I just think they need another guy who I don't want to say isn't afraid of the moment because they just had a bad game seven. But I think they need another player that can command respect from opposing defenses. And I just don't think they have that. Now, I don't know what they'd have to package in order to get another guy like that. But that's kind of why I feel like they need another guy better than an Eric Gordon, better than uh, Terrence Ross. But I will ask Terrell this because he thinks that that's enough for them to get by. They were one shot from the NBA Finals. I yeah. can't. I can't sit here. I can't sit here and say that you need another star and you were one shot from the NBA finals. Well, this was not this was going to be my counterpoint. That's my counterpoint. Game, was that a series one shot? Yes. No. This was my counterpoint. Do you believe this Miami team, if alternative universe Butler makes the shot, are they good enough to be Golden State? Yeah, they can. Yes, they can play Golden State. They can personally. Play I think yes. Golden State would have smacked them. Yeah, Golden I would think so no. too. I would. I would have personally taken Golden State in five or six. No, I, I don't five. think that go to. I don't think Golden State is there, but I don't think Miami's good enough offensively. I, I besides the injuries didn't help because half the team was was extremely injured. But that's kind of why I was rooting for Miami because I'm and selfish. That's why, but that's my thing. With, that's my <laughs> I'm being, thing I'm being honest. I think Golden talk. State would have smacked right. Miami compared to Ball. That, but that's the thing with the with the Miami talk. And I just you know you say the injuries, all this that, the, the, but I'm like, all right, if you if you look at this team for face value. And they come and say this, they run this back and they go into an offseason and they're completely healthy. They make a run. They're a great team. They were number one team in the East and we're battling. If it wasn't for a crazy um, Phoenix series, they were right up there for one of the top seeds in the whole NBA. So um, I, I think that they're fine. I truly think that they're fine. I think that it's a vast overreaction. And then when you go bring another star in, then that's all the, you're, you're going to destroy your team trying to get another star in here. And what we talked about Miami and what they were good for all season was their depth. They're able to take guys and have a whole other five on the bench and be able to play those five, not drop off defensively to still be able to do what they do offensively. And I just don't think that they have to be one of those squads that puts up 110, 120 a night to go out there and win a bunch of basketball games. And it showed for majority of the NBA playoffs. So I, th- I personally think they're fine. I think if they get another star, that's going to throw the team off. I just think with the injury history of Butler and how even though he pushed through it at the end, we've seen him get banged up during these long playoff runs. And even in the regular season, we've seen him get injured a decent amount. Mm-hmm. I think they just need another significant store, score to help lighten the load. And some of it's not their fault because we mentioned Duncan Robinson's contract. We got to bring up Lowry's contract. It's not a good one. And I'm not sure they can move it. <sighs> Can they move it? I don't know. I think they can. I mean, I, I think they can move. Should there is they going- try to? <sighs> no, I, I think that, again, this season with Kyle Lowry, I mean, we knew that for personal reasons or whatever the case might have been that, he, you know, he was in and out of the lineup. And, again, he had the injury as well. If if Kyle Lowry was fully healthy, again, we, we the whole – He's also but, at injury history, though. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, right? I mean, like with, with any sport we talk about with NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, whatever the case is, we always have these health conversations that, hey, if this team was fully healthy, they could have gone on and won the series or gone on to win the NBA championship. It's just it, the it injuries are part of the game. Happens. I think, yeah. yeah. And, and last season, last last year was a prime example of injuries, right? Phoenix benefited from guys or in the Western Conference last year that had guys that were opposing teams that had significant injuries. Same thing with with uh, Milwaukee last year with when they faced Brooklyn. It was a one-legged James Harden. Kyrie Irving left the series, and it was just Kevin Durant that had to probably try and will this team to victory. But at the end of the day, Milwaukee Bucks were the most healthy team. Then I think that's why they got the NBA title. But again, th- those are conversations that you know we Party can have. Had, yeah, yeah. But. So, um, I mean, yeah, those conversations are always going to happen if they were fully healthy. Blah blah blah. Whatever. But. Again, I'm just, just asking yeah, because yeah. I'm just asking because I really have to wonder. Yes, injuries are a part of the sport, but when two of your best three players have a his, have a long history of injuries, sure, which is what has been the story for Lowry and for Butler for the last couple of years, especially. I am curious if you need to, I'd say, move some chairs around to try to get more stability and to try to get a player. I'm not telling you to trade Jimmy Butler, but for Kyle Lowry, I do think you need a second or third guy who you can trust more in general to be on the court. 
Sure. I, I agree with you and, and Terrell disagrees, but that, that's why we're here. That's why we have these conversations. Right. Um, and, and I think that gives everybody a different perspective of, of the construction of teams. But again, give Miami credit, give Boston credit. This was one hell of a series guys uh, in the Eastern conference finals. And I, I do agree with Terrell that this team is going to be back, um, you know, next season, but um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about more in the off season about teams that need to make moves and things like that. Um, before we get over to talking more about the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors, let me tell you guys about WinBet. Make sure to get down on Win's $50 Win $200 promotion where a $50 bet, quali- $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Plus, the WinBet Casino is offering 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. All users can receive a $20 free bet, but Bet when they win, lose, or push on a three or more leg. Build your own bet parlay between Thursday and Saturday. Players can take advantage of the offers on the NBA playoffs. And also, the match is coming to the win, and you can bet on bet on it on win bet. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are minus 200 favorites over Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, who are plus 165. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do to make it easy for yourself is just download the WinBet app and or visit wynnbet.com to get started today. Offers up to change terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 years or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest-growing fantasy platform Today, with millions of players, you probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product, unlike anything else in the industry. And now, you can make money on Sleeper 2 by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick their over-under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about over-under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my buddies' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. So on your mobile device, go to sleeper.com SGP, and you can also join our listener group on Sleeper. And Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. Join our squad and get a 100 deposit match on your first deposit at sleeper.com slash SGP, but make sure to use that promo code SGP to get that deposit match of up to $100 on sleeper terms and conditions apply. See sleepers terms of use for details. All right, guys, we're down to two teams now here in the NBA finals. And I kind of want to touch on, um, you know, how their seasons have kind of gone and how they kind of got up to this point of reaching the NBA Finals. Let's start with the Golden State Warriors here. So Warriors uh, during... No, these- no, wait, wait. Can I do it? Can I do it? Oh, Let me do it. I got it. Yeah, I got it. Go I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. So starting with the Golden State Warriors. Injuries. Fuck. Injuries. 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 You got an injury. You got an injury. You got an injury. <laughs> Everybody gets an injury. Everybody gets an injury. Injuries. Because that is the thing that has played the Golden State Warriors for not this year, but last year and the year before that. The past three seasons, it has been injuries. <laughs> Should I get it? Am we good? Can we, can we move on to Boston? Because I thought Mike Brown was the reason why they got here, Terrell. I wanted to touch on that. Oh, man, it was 100% Mike Brown, just like how it was Luke Walton and the reason that they got that record that they did. That's 100% what it was. <laughs> Golden no, State. Man, shout out to Golden State for getting people jobs. Golden State 11-1 to 1, uh, before the season uh, started for their title odds. Their over-under was set at 48 and a half. Uh, they finished as the number three seed in the Western Conference, finishing with a record of 53-29. and 29. Um, I know Scott and I are holding uh, Golden State Warrior tickets for them to win the title, but uh, the big thing for this team, I mean, during the regular season, was getting uh, Clay Thompson back. Right, I think he came back around January. Um, you know, it took him about twenty to twenty-five games to kind of get his legs back under him. Um, some people are still arguing that he doesn't look like the clay of clay. I mean, but when you're coming off of those type of injuries that he suffered with Achilles and the torn ACL, it, it, it's difficult to come back from that. But uh, Scott, let me start with you, man. Uh, Golden State Warriors, I was really high on this team coming in, but um, what did you kind of see from throughout, I guess, throughout the season and throughout the postseason from the Golden State Warriors to reach this point? 
Well, I know when we did the win totals for the Western Conference, we both liked the over for Golden State. Yeah. However, they kind of shocked me out of the gate that they got off to that good of a start without Clay Thompson. And that was the point where I bet on them in that free bet parlay to win the title. Mm-hmm. So now I have the Warriors at 43 to 1. And my logic was Clay's coming back. I think they could be the best team in the West. I thought it would be between them and Phoenix. So I figured it was going to be a battle there, probably seven games. Of course, that never happened. But I bought into the Warriors because I know that when everything is at risk, when all the chips are in the middle, Golden State's been there before, and they usually respond. And from what we've seen, they have had some issues when it comes to initial closeout games, but they are really good at, I'd say, short-term memory. Because sure. they're willing out game. <laughs> the, the second, second closeout game. game, but I the really the second closeout games. I think what a, what I truly respect about them and also Boston is the fact that they have been able to just forget about any negative results and come out for the next game and provide a full 48 minute effort with really no lingering effects of the previous games, which is why Boston was able to be honest, punt a bunch of home games and still advance to the, to the actual finals. Now, Golden State is undefeated at home, but from yeah. what we've seen, they have the absurd streak of winning a road game in every playoff series for the last, I don't even know, eight years? 16. Like at this point, it, it, it's been a long time. So they have been able to sustain this level of excellence and the fact that Curry was so good to start the year, then he hit a wall for a couple of months, but he's been able to get that level back for the playoffs, I think is a huge deal. But when it comes to Golden State, I think the main thing that I'm impressed with is how they've been able to pretty much make Kavana Looney an extremely solid role player Yeah. after being basically a complete non-factor for the entire season. And I figured without Wiseman coming back, I thought they would potentially be screwed, which is why if you remember during the back half of the regular season, my confidence was wavering. I did not hedge. I did not buy out of it, but I was concerned about Golden State's front court depth and how that would be their undoing in the playoffs. And it still might be. But as of right now, they went up against the number one rebounding team in the league in Memphis, and they out-rebounded them in five of the six games pretty handily. And they've been able to dominate on the glass, and that's been the biggest shock to their run for me. So the way that I see it, you know that the supporting cast should perform relatively well because they've been there before. Jordan Poole is not, but he's still talented enough to make a difference. I think the real surprise for me has been just how good Kavon Looney's been in some of these situations. And when it comes to unsung heroes, he's top of the charts. Kavon Looney, especially in this postseason, I mean, he had a game where he had 22 rebounds. um, But again, in the other series, and again, Dallas, uh, in particular, where he was, there was so many times where he was creating those second, third, fourth chance opportunities for the Golden State Warriors. And I think that's not only from a talent perspective that Golden State was better, but those possessions and those offensive rebounds add up when you're, you know, trying to go out and, you know, win games in the playoffs, right? We talk about in the playoffs that every possession matters, um, you know, especially with Golden State that they, you know, they are one of the teams that turn the ball over at a very, very high rate. But at the same time, you have to give credit, and you just touched on this, Scott, is that the ability for them to rebound and what they've done in the postseason so far, I think has really kind of been the difference. But Kevon Looney, where he's had multiple 10-plus rebound games, like I mentioned, he had that 22-rebound game as well. So, um, you know, when you have a healthy clay, a, a Steph Curry and a Draymond Green, along with Steve Kerr on your sideline, I think this, this team always is going to have a chance. And we saw that before the whole, you know, them getting Kevin Durant, this team was unstoppable in the regular season as well in the playoffs. But uh, Terrell, let me turn it over you, uh, to you. Thoughts on Golden State throughout the season uh, in the postseason. Uh, what have you thought about this team? I mean, for me, for Golden State, it's always been their depth. Golden State's always, it's always been their depth for Golden State. And the injuries were more of a blessing than a curse. And I say that because having – Clay out for half of the season, having Draymond out for extended periods of time, having Steph out for a little spurt in time, mm-hmm. uh, and all the issues that they've done, they've gotten 
guys like Gary Payton Jr., guys like Toscano Anderson, Jordan Poole, who was in the running for six man of the year. Like they got those guys some well-needed run, some yeah. well-needed run in the regular season that got them to this point where they can perform on this level. And the fact that they can lose Gary Payton Jr., they can lose Otto Porter Jr., that's two guys in your rotation. You lose two guys that are heavy in your rotation, and that's and that throws a bunch of people off. Like that throws people off, and they're they're sitting there, they can never recover from that. But Golden State is so able to just bounce back and not even miss a step because they have so many people on their bench that when called upon can step up is literally everybody's just sitting out there waiting their turn. They had multiple rookies that played minutes this entire playoffs. And so um, it's always been the depth for me for Golden State. I thought that depth, Golden State was an insanely deep team from the beginning. And while you never knew who that person was going to be, which given night, of who was that person that was going to come off the bench and give them a spark to help them win this game. It was always somebody. Somebody always stepped up. And so that was really big for them. So the injuries, yeah, I was joking about the injuries earlier, but that's really what molded their season because they were able to get guys like Gary Payton Jr. a bunch of run. And now you look, you have a defensive specialist in Gary Payton Jr. who's coming back for this series, and you're absolutely ecstatic about it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's always been the depth for Golden State. A, a little bit less of the stars for me. I, the stars are going to do their thing. Steph's going to do his thing. Clay, when he gets rolling, he's going to do his thing. Draymond's always going to keep everybody moving. But, yeah, it was it was the depth for me for Golden State and the fact that they could do as much they could with having so much limited resources because they were so deep. That insane, team is insanely deep. Yeah, I, I think we have to give a lot of credit to the front office of the Golden State Warriors of how they've constructed this team, right? because they've really built this team pretty much through the draft and give them a lot of credit for you know constructing these championship rosters. And it's crazy to think that they have these veterans like Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and Draymond Green, but in the wings and in the, in the backfield, you still have James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, and Moses Moody, Gary Payne II, and Jordan Poole on your roster. So... Um, yeah, I think that they're in good shape here. I think that again, Jordan Poole was, we saw this at the tail end of the last season and how he kind of really emerged and came into his own this season, providing that spark sometimes, you know, off the bench, sometimes being in that starting lineup when guys like, like you mentioned, Steph Curry had missed time with the, with the foot injury and Clay Thompson coming back from, you know, the two injuries that he suffered and also Draymond being out as well at, at for extended period of time. So you know, I think, again, it starts with the coaching as well and putting these guys in the right spots. But, um, yeah, the depth of this team is really something that I think the conversation that we're having is something that we need to applaud the Golden State Warriors for. But, um, Scott, do you have anything else for the Golden State Warriors before we get over to the Boston Celtics side? Oh, you're on mute, Scott. I was going to say that yeah. even though I personally – Wanted to see Miami as a future ticket holder. I thought Boston was a relatively bad matchup, but the more that I actually have thought about this series, I don't want to get too far in depth because we still haven't broken down Boston yet. Yeah. Assuming Gary Payton is going to be back for this. We saw how just many problems Oladipo gave Jalen Brown when it came to basic stuff like dribbling the basketball. Mm -hmm. I feel like Jalen Brown might be put in jail. And even though he's going to have moments where he's still going to put up 20-plus, if you're Golden State and you've been watching Boston and Miami play for the last couple of games because you've had a vacation for the last week, aren't you looking at what Oladipo's doing to Jalen Brown and just sure. telling Gary Payton, sick him? Isn't that basically what you're doing? Yeah. So I'm expecting Jalen Brown to have a bunch of problems when it comes to turnovers in the series, which could be their undoing potentially because – we talk about scoring depth, and I feel like that's one growing area of concern for Boston because Tatum's going to do his thing. Occasionally, he'll be awful, but he'll mm -hmm. do his thing. Brown, same story. He'll occasionally, he'll occasionally do his thing. Occasionally, he'll be awful. But besides that, do you really want to live and die in the NBA Finals by Marcus Smart? Because we've seen Horford have one 30-point game against Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. He really hasn't done much offensively since. Sure. Robert Williams can't really move at this point. He's been battling injuries for the last couple of weeks. Derek White had, what, one really good game, and that's basically it off the bench. Yeah. Does Boston have any scoring depth besides Marcus Smart chucking up threes and 
uh, and sometimes they'll go in, sometimes they won't, because I feel like as I've started to visualize the series playing out, I just see a lot of streaky shooting options for Boston. Peyton Pitcher I mean, doesn't tickle your fancy. That's <laughs> I like Pritchard. I mentioned him in the last <laughs> series, but once again, I'm I feel like Terrell's gonna go back to his point, and that's how he felt about Boston in the first place. But the more that I thought about it, I think Golden State just has more reliable scoring options on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. That's I mean, so you were sitting here, you were talking about you went to see Miami. I'm sitting here like okay, Boston looks like barbecue chicken over there. <laughs> like this, It was because I Miami mean, was limping to the finish line. That's why yeah. I wanted to see and, and so either way, but either way, either like I didn't think that – I was like, oh, one way or another, Golden State looks pretty good one one title. Like, <laughs> but is I, I just don't – that depth for – they're going to have people playing 40 minutes the entire series. Sure. Ultimately. Yeah. That's ultimately mm-hmm. what it's going to be. People are going to play 40 minutes. And don't let Robert Williams' knee uh, flame up again. And then he's out. And you're and now you're a certain Grant Williams in the starting lineup. Now you're only too deep unless you're putting Terry uh Daniel Tice back out there. So oh, no. I mean <laughs> with, they that's how that's how Boston has got here. It's just been on the shooting. And as for your Marcus Smart point, I I've never had an issue with Marcus Smart taking the last shot. I really haven't. Because ultimately, um He's gonna. He he's a playmaker and he's a guy that can can get to the basket and can create for himself. And so while he may not be a world beater, he's still a guy. Especially people that just have that mindset to take the last shot, or even if they're not the most talented guys, if you have that mindset to take the last shot, nine times out of ten you're in the NBA. That shit's going in. Like regardless, you're an NBA player. Like, defense in the NBA is low key a mini miracle by how talented these guys are shooting the basketball. So. Um, it, I, I'm fine with Marcus Smart doing it. Would you like to see Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown doing it? Yeah, but if they're taken out and you have Marcus Smart, you're like, oh, well, I mean, there's a lot worse off- options than that. So, I mean, it's, I think it's fine. But just to, you know, accelerate our Boston breakdown and, you know, talk about what takeaways we have for Boston for the series and the season and playoffs and all of that, for me, number one thing, honestly, and what's going to affect them in this series is their ability to get out in transition. That's going to be it. That's going to be the difference maker. That's going to supplement their streaky shooting. That's going to plague the Golden State Warriors because the Golden State Warriors can't do shit but turn the ball over. They, second, they were second to last in the league in turnovers. Only the Houston Rockets were worse. How dare you? Think about all the teams in the <laughs> NBA. Only the Houston Rockets were worse than the Golden State Warriors that turned the basketball over. Now, part of it is a style of play that the Golden State Warriors choose to choose to do. They take more risks. They get more reward. But you, if you take that risk, it is an equal and opposite reaction. And that reaction is Boston going down and getting two easy points at the Cups. So where you have a Dallas team that slowed the pace down when they got the turnovers from you, and, you know, and look at the end of the box score and they have two fast break, t- fast break points or they have 10 points off turnover. That number is going to be insanely high for the Boston Celtics. So if you yep. are ecstatic about the Boston Celtics, you should be ecstatic for that transition offense because that's going to supplement them going transition offense and then just letting Jason Brown and Jalen and Jason, uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown work. Letting those two work and that transition offense is going to be an easy about a good uh, hundred so points right there off the rip. So I think I think that it's, it's going to be fun. I do still like Golden State in the long run, but I think it's going to be fun. I do want to ask one thing, though, since, yeah. of course, we have a pretty long layoff till the start of the finals. They start Thursday, correct? Yes. So. My question for you is, even though Boston now has something they haven't had in a long time, which is rest, is there any concern with the limited rotation and the fact that a lot of these guys, six or seven deep, have had to play 40-plus minutes for basically the last couple of weeks, pretty much the entire playoffs? Is there any concern they're going to run out of gas? I think they have, what, three full days off here? That's Uh, why I'm asking, because the scheduling helps, but still, compared to Golden State... It's been a really, really big ask of these guys to play that many minutes that often. Yeah, because no, the one, they're, so. round one they they swept the Nets. They went seven in this game seven against the Bucks and game seven against the Miami Heat. I don't think so because especially in the NBA Finals, you have what two days off between games now. Yep. 
And then and two days off between each game or one game yeah, off between every I think game. it's two. It's basically, oh. every game is two days off. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think that kind of plays into an advantage for, or not advantage, but I think it really it, helps the it Boston Celtics. It out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but now, again, usually we've seen where from round to round, it's been two days off and then you're back at it for game one. I think that extra day is going to be significant. And that was going to be my question to you guys as well. Now, we don't know the extent of Robert Williams' injury now that he gets, he only played 15 minutes in game seven. He has three full days off here, and then you play. So you're pretty much playing one game within the next five days. How much does that, you know, help the Boston Celtics, especially guys like Robert Williams and guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who played 46, 44 minutes last night as well. So um, that's the biggest question. But uh, before we finish up the conversation about the Boston Celtics, let me tell you guys about Athletic Greens. We're brought to you by Athletic Greens and their AG1 Supplement. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. AG1 supports better sleep quality and recovery, and and Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free tribal packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sgp again that is athleticgreens.com slash sgp to take over ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance and last but not least, we're also brought to you by IP Vanish. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away your, all your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IP Vanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IP Vanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. IP Vanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like getting nine months for free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're inst- instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search on, everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with a brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to IPVanish.com slash SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's IPVanish.com slash SGP. All right, guys, um, Boston didn't give you guys the title odds before we started, but they were 40 to one before the season started. Uh, win total was at 45 and a half. Uh, but we saw this team be one of the better teams or one of the best teams in the second half of the season. I saw some tickets out there that some people are holding 101 um, uh, title odds for the Boston Celtics. But uh, Terrell, let me start with you and continue this conversation about Boston. I know you really haven't been a believer in Boston here. Um, has your tone changed here a little bit, or do you still think that they're fraudulent? No, I still think – no, it's not – so it's never been, like, not liking Boston. It's never been thinking they're fraudulent or anything else. I've just been betting Boston for a long time, and I know that at the end of the day, Boston will fold in the moment that you least expect it when all the chips are on the table. they done it constantly regardless of the result they folded last night they folded that game away last night you should have never been in that situation and so uh, it's, it's just what Boston has done now Ime has helped get them to the NBA finals and shout out to him yeah. and shout out for the organization for moving on from Danny Ainge I Brad Stevens has been okay but you know, a switch up was needed in that organization, which a lot of people might not have done seeing how close they've been. But uh, yeah, that's really like is I've just bet them too many times. I'm not now that I'm getting Boston as a dog, I'll be more willing possibly. But it just depending on the matchup or what's or what's going on in the situation and why I would be interested. But no, it, it really hasn't changed my tone at all. Boston's not going to prove anything to me unless they win a championship here. Scott, Boston. 
I have been relatively positive towards them for the entire back half of the season. I laughed extremely hard when RJ Baird banked in the three-pointer against them several months ago. <laughs> and since that point, Boston took it personally, I guess, and they went on some type of warpath. So I did not expect Boston to go on this run after such an underwhelming start where they were blowing double-digit leads in the fourth quarter of basically every game. Yeah. And they completely flipped the script and made a serious run. Now, to counter my point there, they are still brutal with late-game execution, particularly on the offensive end, which I do think will be their undoing in this series because we know Golden State can execute pretty much at any point. The turnovers are a concern, but they run very, very... I'd say tight sets where they know exactly where to go. They know exactly what they're doing and they will create havoc because of how well they time every action and how there's a certain flow to their offense that other teams wish they had, but they don't. And Boston has no flow late in games. And we've seen it. We've seen them get extremely stagnant. We've seen Marcus Smart take some shots. Tatum or Brown will ISO dribble in the same spot for 15 seconds and they settle for a crappy jumper. We see it all the time. Mm-hmm. So I do think that's going to be a concern. And some of it, some of that might be on their coach because I do think that they do a really good job of instilling a sense of toughness with this group. But do I think that Udoka can be better with X's and O's? Hell yeah. And it's still his first season. So I expect him to get better with that over time. But X's and O's, which is an area that Golden State has excelled in for a long period of time, I don't think it's very close in this series when it comes to comparing the coaches from an actual play-by-play standpoint on the court. Steve Kerr should really blow Doka out of the water when it comes to X's and O's because I think we would agree Boston might have a toughness advantage. They might have just an overall grit But when it comes to designing plays and when it comes to really setting up plays down the stretch, it's really night and day when you compare these two teams, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that, you know, not maybe the difference, but I think the overwhelming thing that we kind of need to consider here or people know is that the championship and the NBA finals experience that the Golden State Warriors already have. Right. And you just touched on it that you have a rookie head coach. Coming in, but again, like Terrell said, you got to you give him your flowers. He's done an absolutely fantastic job yeah. of getting this team to the NBA Finals. But when it gets down to it in the NBA Finals, when you talk about the experience the Golden State Warriors have and Steve Kerr has, you're right. It might be a coaching mismatch there. But because Boston's offense for the last five months has had issues down the stretch. Yeah. And even though you're nitpicking a little bit, you kind of have to nitpick because you're in the NBA Finals. Yeah, And if you're going to win, you cannot afford all these awful possessions down the stretch against a team of Golden State's just historical caliber. Yeah. And which goes to, I think, to go ahead, Boston basketball. That's just Boston basketball right now. And you can't, I, it's something to fix in off season. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't fix it for this series. I do what got you here in this series. And that's trusting your two best players. And so, yeah, X's and O's and and plays run is because that's what the Golden State Warriors do. That's all they practice. Boston doesn't practice that stuff, man. They have a couple of set plays and stuff like that. But yeah. ultimately, get the ball to Jason Tatum. Get the ball to Jalen Brown. Let those guys work. Marcus, Marcus Smart, you facilitate and keep everything flowing between those two guys. And if somebody else is wide open, I need you to hit a wide open shot. But other than that, we're going to let those guys work. They're going to create and get everything going. And so – um, yeah, it's definitely – like uh, Scott said, it's definitely – leaning over to the Golden State side for plays run and stuff like that. But the talent of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum is going to – that's what they've been doing all season. They haven't been running set plays all season. And so I think that if you are a Boston truther, you want them to stick to that and stick to what got them here and go out there with that toughness, go out there with that grit – and make it uncomfortable for a Clay Thompson to feel like, oh, I can, you know, get separation and get my shot. Make it uncomfortable for Steph to say, I can get separation and get my shot. Make it uncomfortable for an Andrew Wiggins to go out there and score the basketball. Make it uncomfortable for those guys, just like you made it uncomfortable for Kevin Durant. I'm not, yeah. I'm not expecting them to reinvent the wheel, but I, the, po- the point I'll push back on is if we're expecting a close series, which I think we are, 
I don't think we're expecting Golden State to run through Boston or for Boston to run through Golden State. If some of these games, which should be close, come down the wire, I feel a lot better knowing that Team A will most likely be getting significantly better shots because of the actions they run in comparison to Team B. Now, I know it's worked for Boston because they're here, but I have to at least point out if you're down the stretch, and we've seen Boston countless times blow leads, I feel pretty good if I'm a Golden State fan knowing we should be getting much higher quality looks down the stretch of close games. That's the point I'll push back on. Yeah. No, no. I mean, no, that's, yeah, of course you want a good look then rather than, you know, a tough look. But I'm just saying that that's what works for Boston. That where Golden State prefers good looks and they make good looks, Boston makes the tough shots. <laughs> they well, I was going to say, defi- go define works because Boston's oh. here, but they've still been. They've been on some thin ice for a couple of games. No, yeah, they have. The and and we all know how I feel about Boston. I'm not a I'm not a believer. I'm truly not a believer. But I just watching the game, and I'm going to give you both sides of it. I'm always going to give you both sides of it. Watching the game, if you are a Boston trooper, you want them to continue what they're doing. And even though they're not getting the best looks every single time they go down and get the basketball, they're getting looks that are good for their players. So while it may not be the best look in a basketball sense, Jason Tatum can make those contested shots. Jalen Brown can make those contested shots. They like those contested shots. So let them go out there and make them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I was just going to say that you, you guys already hit the nail on the head that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are only two guys that should be holding the ball in their hands. Uh, when it gets down to college time. But I think your guys are right that that's probably may be the difference. Um, and that's a pause of concern that I do have is that late, that late game execution by Boston hasn't really been there throughout their playoffs where the, there's been games where they should have lost, but they didn't because of late game execution. And now you're going up against a completely different animal in the Golden State Warriors that know how to close out games and get those set pieces and, and run their plays and get those shots with Steph Curry, with Clay Thompson, with Draymond, I think that may ultimately maybe the difference here in this uh, NBA finals. But I think one, sorry, I I just think one quick sense just to sum it all up. I think the issue that I have comparing Boston's late game execution to Golden State's, I think Boston survives late game situations. I think Golden State thrives. I think that's the difference for me. Right. Yeah. And both these teams, again, finished number one and number two in defensive efficiency during the regular season. Boston was number one and Golden State was number two. But uh, game one, like we mentioned, is going to start on Thursday uh, between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. Do you guys have anything else uh, you guys want to touch on before we get out of here? We talked about game seven. We kind of broke down both teams and their their postseason and uh, their season uh, uh, wrap up here. But you guys, have anything else you want to touch on, uh, Terrell? No, I'm good. Scott, I think one thing I'll point on quickly. I'm not sure if we're going to go through series stuff for in terms of prices, or for, if you're going to do that in another pod. But yeah, we'll do that on Wednesday. I was going to say I do want to point out the extremely interesting situation regarding home court advantage throughout the league in the playoffs, and how it seems like it truly doesn't matter that much anymore. Boston's in the finals. They're five and four at home. And one concern that I potentially have for Boston, once again, I expect the series to be close. One team is undefeated at home. They've been really good at defending home court. The other team's slightly over 500. And I feel like Boston's not going to make their job easier when they consistently have a hard time defending home court, especially since Golden State, if they win every home game, they win the finals. Right. So one thing that I do think is going to be telling in this series early on can Boston actually defend home court on a regular basis? Because I don't think Golden State will win every home game in this series. I think they will lose one. Mm-hmm. But we've seen Golden State win a home game in X amount of series in a row. What is it, 30-something at this point? 28? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's so a lot. we're assuming Golden State should win at least one road game in this series. I don't think that's a hot take. Sure. So I, I, I guess, yeah, I'll let go. you, Sorry. No, I was just saying, we always say that the series always starts when a, 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 uh, road a team, team wins, wins a, road, a road game, right? And, you know, we've seen Boston in, the, in this series. They've gone into Milwaukee and won game six, going back to the second round, where it was in Milwaukee, where Milwaukee had the opportunity to close it out. We've seen in the conference uh, finals in the East, where they won three out of four uh, road games, where they won, got, got three victories in Miami. So, 
I know Golden State's a different animal. You know, we've talked about that, but I think that Boston does have that capability of going into Golden State or in the Bay Area in San Francisco and and maybe splitting, you know, getting game two. I think because I think everybody is going to be on the Warriors in game one. But I, they I think, do, yeah, but yeah, yeah, uh, they do. It just I can't help but be concerned looking at Boston and the fact that even though they have won a bunch of road games, props to them for that, they really make it more difficult on themselves because they just can't defend home court. Yeah. And now it's where it matters, right? You're going out for the championship trophy. Now you have to defend your home court because of how good, like you mentioned, Golden State has been uh, throughout their, uh, their uh, throughout the playoffs over the course of ever since they, you know, going back to when they got Seth Curry, Clay Thompson, those guys together to win championships. But Boston wins game one or two. Does yeah. it really matter? I don't think I mean, so. we're just expecting Boston to lose a home game or two at some point. Yeah. So we've seen I just, that. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there because one of these teams has been very comfortable on their home court in the playoffs. Yeah. And one of these teams has not. And I feel like that's worth mentioning. Yeah. hundred um, percent. That's going to do it for this episode of the NBA gambling podcast. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday to actually dive into the series prices. We'll talk about uh, MVPs all the prop betting that is being offered for the NBA finals points, leaders, rebounds, leaders. We'll dive into all that on Wednesday with games, uh, game one tipping off on Thursday here. So down to two teams for this uh, NBA season, Golden State Warriors, Boston Celtics, NBA finals are here, boys. Uh, Terrell, anything else you want to get off your chest, man? Let the people know where you can find you, man. No, no, I'm good at really real underscore underscore on social media. Let's, let's go. Let's we're almost at the finish line. Yep. Scott, anything else, my man? Not really. You can find me at Reichel Radio, R-E-I-C-H-E-L Radio on Twitter. Besides that, go Warriors. There we go. Go Warriors. I'm biased. Um, what do you, it's a gambling podcast. What do you want? Of course, yeah. Um, yeah, but make sure to tune in to Terrell and Scott on the WNBA Gambling Podcast. Uh, those guys are cranking it out. A big, big schedule for these guys tomorrow. Ooh, four-game schedule in the WNBA. Definitely uh, check those guys out. They'll break down everything. They've been crushing it for the WNBA season so far um, on their podcast. So with NBA winding down, it's a good time to tune in to the WNBA uh, pod as well and the MLB Gambling Podcast as well. Uh, We will be back uh, between myself, Scott, and Terrell on Wednesday. Me and Zach will crank out a pod tonight talking more about uh, the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors, some X's and O's matchups that we might be looking out for and, and get Zach's take. I know we haven't, he hasn't been on uh, NBA pod in a while. He's been busy with uh, other things as well. So me and us, uh, me and Zach will do a pod here tonight, but the three of us will be back on Wednesday. And again, all types of content for the NBA playoffs, uh, sorry, NBA finals leading up to Thursday's game one. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. Good luck with your bets today. Let's break these books off and let it ride. Basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm going to.